It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. This morning, and I know that many of you watched the 9-11 commemorations, the memories, all of the things that were said at Ground Zero, the names that were mentioned, the bells that were rung, uh, the stories of heroes, stories of, um, you know, of Americans rising uh, to a terrible occasion. Uh, I, I rem- as I said before, that was very momentous to me. I was in Washington like two weeks uh, after this happened, and I saw, you know, in the, the apartment building in which I live, people just descended on D.C., ready to fight and work, uh, thousand, thousands of school men, uh, kid, boys in school, like Tom Cotton, the senator from um, Arkansas, left their work, just walked away and went in and, and um, signed up and went to fight for their country. So there's just great stories of heroism. And that's why uh, it was just so strange. The commander-in-chief wasn't even able to give a speech, can't imagine why. But his vice president did, and in the midst of all this heroism that we are uh, remembering on 9-11, this was Kamala Harris's take, her observation about 9-11. Let's listen. We had differences of opinion in 2001, as we do in 2021. And I believe that in America, our diversity is our strength. At the same time, We saw after 9-11 how fear can be used to sow division in our nation. As Sikh and Muslim Americans were targeted because of how they looked or how they worshipped. But we also saw what happens when so many Americans in the spirit of our nation stand in solidarity with all people and their fellow American, with those who experience violence and discrimination, when we stand together. And looking back, we remember the vast majority of Americans were unified in purpose to help families heal, to help communities recover, to defend our nation, and to keep us safe. In a time of outright terror, we turned toward each other. In the face of a stranger, we saw a neighbor and a friend. That time reminded us the significance and the strength of our unity as Americans and that it is possible in America. All right, so thank you, Kamala. We know where you're coming from. She's talking about uh, after 9-11, we sort of descended into fear and division. Uh, I can't imagine why. She talked about how uh, the violence uh, of people in this country that's been perpetrated on them, and of course she's talking about race. She talked about 
a Sikhs and Muslim Americans suffering so terribly, I would just remind her if I had her in my studio that it was violence and um, it was violence and destruction that were aimed at Americans. It was because we were Americans, because we were Christian in the eyes of the Muslim world, that we were targeted and attacked, and that was the violence. It wasn't the other way around. Uh, but she's got the story. She's got the party line right down. So does, uh, interestingly enough, the former president of the United States. Most of you listening to me probably supported him because most of you are conservatives. George W. Bush, we had such high hopes, and he, he, was, he, did, he had such wonderful moments uh, during this war. Uh, when we we fought back, and I think we can all remember those good things. I don't want to take that away from him, but some something has overtaken him that's really quite ugly. I'll let you hear a little bit of it. You can see what you think. Clip 17. The security measures incorporated into our lives are both sources of comfort and reminders of our vulnerability. And we have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not only across borders, but from violence that gathers within. There is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in their disdain for pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit, and it is our continuing duty to confront them. All right. So, what's he talking about? You think is he talking about Antifa, Black Lives Matter? Oh, oh no. He's talking about January sixth, the former president. Uh, it's uh, there's little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad, I mean the Taliban, Al Qaeda, and violent extremists at home, like those guys in jail uh, from coming to the Capitol on January sixth, and for people that went inside the Capitol, they are the same as Al Qaeda and the Taliban. That's what George W. Bush. Our former president had to say in memory of 9/11. I, I would just um, there are a lot of people that are just fighting back. I'll, I'll read this one. This is um, the former Special Services uh, Chief Joe Kenton, who's running for Congress in Washington. We've interviewed him a couple of times. He said the only place Bush should be on 9/11 is answering to the American people for all of his lies. Instead, he's just showing us that the regime is not just one party; it's the ruling class that despises us and is not done exploiting us. That was Joe Kent. Those are harsh words, but there were a lot of other words about that, and I have my own words about that. I am so disappointed in you, President Bush. I I don't know. You must live in a bubble. Uh, You must not know what I know. You must not know what my listeners know. You must not know you're uninformed. You're you're propagandized. And I know that your wife is very liberal, leftist. I remember well in D.C. how she moved in the same circles as Hillary Clinton. I remember that. We didn't know at the time because she's beautiful and so sweet, but I think, I think that has uh, infected your mind also, and uh, you're not you're, you're a disgrace right now, sir. That's disgraceful what you just said, turning against the people who supported you because they love this country and they thought you did too, but now you're turning into our our um, opponent as well, really. Right. So that's um, that was nine eleven. I but I want to read something to you, and maybe some of you have seen this. You probably have or heard it, but I, I think it, I have to underscore it because remember that the the flight that went down a couple of hours after the initial hit went down on that field in in um, Pennsylvania and you remember that Todd Beamer who was a graduate of Wheaton College a Christian we you know about this I'm sure his transcript of his last few minutes has been released and I would like to read that to you because there were heroes and Todd was one of them 
So if we know nothing else, let's hear some good stuff about people uh, who gave everything on that day. And so uh, bear with me as I read this to you. Todd, hello, operator, listen to me. I can't speak very loudly. This is an emergency. I'm a passenger on United Flight to San Francisco. We have a situation here. Our plane has been hijacked. Can you understand me? Lisa, exhaling a deep breath to herself. I understand. Can the hijackers see you talking on the phone? Todd, no, Lisa. Can you tell me, Lisa, how many hijackers are on the plane? Todd, there are three that we know of. Lisa, can you see any weapons? What kind of weapons do they have? Todd, yes. They don't have guns. They have knives. They took over the plane with knives. Lisa, do you mean like steak knives? Todd, no, these are razor knives like box cutters. Lisa, can you tell what country these people are from? Todd, no, I don't know. They sound like they're from the Mideast. Lisa, have they said what they want? Todd, someone announced from the cockpit that there was a bomb on board. He said he was the captain and to stay in our seats and stay quiet. He said that they were meeting these people's demands and returning to the airport. It was very broken English, and I'm telling you, it sounded fake. Lisa, okay, sir, please give me your name. My name is Todd Beamer. Okay, Todd, my name is Lisa. Do you know your flight number? If you can't remember, it's on your ticket. It's United Flight 93. Now, Todd, can you tell me, try to tell me exactly what happened? Todd. Two of the hijackers were sitting in the first class near near the cockpit. A third one was sitting near the back of the coach section. The two up front got into the cockpit somehow. They were shouting. The third hijacker said he had a bomb. It looks like a bomb. He's got it tied to his waist with a red belt of some kind. Lisa, so is the door to the cockpit open? Todd, no. The hijacker shut it behind them. Lisa, has anyone been injured? Todd, yes. They, They killed one passenger sitting in first class. There's been lots of shouting. We don't know if the pilots are dead or alive. A flight attendant told me that the pilot and co-pilot have been forced from the cockpit and may have been wounded. Lisa, where is the third hijacker now, Todd? He's near the back of the plane. They forced most of the passengers into first class. There are 14 of us here in the back. Five are flight attendants. The passengers... Five are flight attendants. He hasn't noticed that I slipped into this pantry to get the phone. The guy with the bomb ordered us to sit on the floor at the rear of the plane. Oh, Jesus... Help. Lisa, Todd, are you okay? Tell me what's happening. Todd, hello. We're going down. I I think we're going to crash. Wait, wait, wait a minute. No, we're leveling off. We're okay. I think we may be turning around. That's it. We changed directions. Do you hear me? We're flying east again. Lisa, okay, Todd. What's going on with the other passengers? Everyone is really scared. A few passengers with cell phones have made calls to relatives. A guy, Jeremy, was talking to his wife just before the hijacking. Then he tells uh, he tells about how Jeremy finds out from his wife that these two planes have taken down the World Trade Center. He wants to know if it's true, and Lisa tells him, I have to tell you it's true. Our country is under attack, and we're afraid that your plane is part of that. And Todd says, oh, dear God, dear God. Lisa, will you do something for me? Lisa, I'll try if I can. Todd, I want you to call my wife and my kids for me and tell them what's happened. Promise me you'll call. I promise I'll call. Our home phone number is, you have the same name as my wife, Lisa. We've been married for 10 years. She's pregnant with our third child. Tell her that I love her, and then he chokes up. I'll always love her, and he clears his throat. We have two boys, David, he's three, and Andrew, he's one. Tell them, tell them that their daddy loves them and that he's so proud of them. Our baby is due January 12th. I saw the ultrasound. It was great. We still don't know if it's a boy or girl. Lisa? Lisa, barely able to speak. I'll tell them. I promise. Todd, I'm going back to the group. I can get back. I will. 
If I can get back, I will. Todd, leave this line open. Are you still there? And then the FBI intercedes, and they talk with Todd a bit, and they, they give some, uh, he gives some more logistics about where they are. And uh, our best guess, the FBI agent says, is that they plan to fly your plane either into the White House or the U.S. Capitol building. Todd, I understand. Hold on. I'll be back. Lisa uh, talks to the FBI agent, and then Todd comes back. The plane seems to be changing directions just a little. It's getting pretty rough up here. The plane is flying real erratic. We're not going to make it out of here. Listen to me. I want you to hear this. I have talked with the others. We have decided we would not be pawns in these hijackers' suicidal plot. Lisa, Todd, what are you going to do? Todd, we've hatched a plan. Four of us are going to rush the hijacker with the bomb. After we take him out, we'll break into the cockpit. A stewardess is getting some boiling water to throw on the hijackers at the controls. We'll get them, and we'll take them out. Lisa... Will you do one last, um, Lisa, will you do one last thing for me? Lisa, yes. What is it? Todd, would you pray with me? They pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive our trespassers and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Todd, God help me. Jesus, help me. He clears his throat and then says loudly, Are you guys ready? Let's roll. Todd Beamer. That was the spirit of people on 9-11. Not everyone, but that was a a man who loved God and was facing an incredible situation. And I wanted to read that to you because I think many of us are feeling a little bit cornered right now, worried, concerned about lots of things in our lives. And I just wanted to remind you uh, that like Todd, we, we pray, we remember scripture, we recite and remember over and over who God is, how his loving kindness never fails. Uh, and how he will never leave us nor forsake us. And uh, that doesn't mean it's a, a, it's not a rabbit's foot or a guarantee that you'll be out of trouble. It is that God gives you strength and comfort to face whatever comes. And that's what happened with Todd Beamer. Isn't that something? All right, be right back. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to healthcare. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today we pray for Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. He's a former appeals court judge and special prosecutor and has served on the U.S. Supreme Court since 1994. Psalm 106.3 reminds us of the importance of justice under the law. Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Justice Stephen Breyer as he works in the name of justice for all Americans. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Elliot Middleton runs a garage in South Carolina, and he's a man on a mission. Elliot fixes old cars and donates them to families who live out in the low country. There's no public transportation in those parts, no Ubers or taxi cabs. A lot of folks have to walk to the supermarket. Over the years, he's fixed up all sorts of cars for senior citizens, job seekers, even single moms like Jessica Litchfield. She said Elliot is an honest-to-goodness lifesaver. CBS News did a profile on Elliot a few weeks ago, and something rather remarkable happened. Donations started pouring in by the hundreds. It was astounding. More than 800 cars, along with a few clunkers, donated to the cause. And then there was the cash, more than $100,000 in donations. Elliot Middleton is a good man and a great American, going the extra mile for strangers in his community. And proving that extra mile is a whole lot easier when you have a car. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. It is, um, I think the president made the right decision to leave Afghanistan. I think we should have left a long time ago. We should have stayed longer in the beginning to get the job done. We only routed the Taliban. We did not defeat them. And then we left to go to Afghanistan, to Iraq. But having said that, over time, I think we should have left sooner. Uh, I do think that uh, the historic uh, evacuation of 120,000 people was remarkable, and I commend the administration for that. This is never easy. That's not always uh, complete right from the start. Uh, but it was remarkable, even though it got off to a, a, a hazy start. And... Uh, now we, now we go forward. That was the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. It was really remarkable, really remarkable. That withdrawal from Afghanistan was just remarkable. And remember, they weren't going to leave any Americans behind. Joe Biden promised that. And yet I can tell you that behind the scenes, there are still people working to get people out. Uh, the repercussions of what just happened in Afghanistan are the reason I'm confident why Joe Biden did not speak at 9-11. The shame, the shame that has hung around him, the disgrace and the danger 
and the vulnerability that he has left us in is just beyond comprehension. Michael Waltz, a congressman and um, also uh, former uh, special services, was on uh, Fox yesterday, and I want you to hear how he describes uh, especially uh, leaving um, – yeah, yeah, sorry, which clip? I think this is about Bagram. Let's listen. I spent uh, uh, 9-11 uh, with a bunch of uh, Green Berets, first responders, uh, FDNY, uh, at ground zero. Uh, and, you know, of course we were reflecting on so much sacrifice and the loss that we endured as a country – but instead of just being able to focus on that, there was this cloud over, over everyone uh, because we know now that at some point uh, we are on a path for another 9-11, that the Biden administration, uh, through this reckless withdrawal, through taking out all troops, all diplomats, all of our intelligence capabilities, uh, and right now leaving Americans behind, that a next generation is going to have to go back to deal with it. Uh, we are on a road to uh, future attacks. The same team that's around uh, Biden was around Obama that yanked us out of Iraq and led to the rise of the ISIS caliphate. I think you're going to see that in the next year. Uh, with al-Qaeda 3.0, partnered with Haqqani and the Taliban, except this time when the next generation has to go back to deal with it, they're going to have no bases. We've given them away, no local allies. They're being massacred by the Taliban right now as we speak. And we're going to have to deal with an army's worth of American equipment uh, that the Taliban now have. It's just heartbreaking and infuriating. You know, Michael went on to explain that right now the Taliban is holding a, a retired uh, military person. He gave his name, uh, and he said he's being tortured, and they're holding him right now. And I, this is another article. The Taliban is celebrating after beheading an Afghan sh- soldier. This is a Washington Examiner piece, and they said it's a 30-second video that they obtained. Uh, it shows six Taliban fighters surrounding the man who was laying on his back with his head resting on his chest. And the group leader says, shoot him. He has to look shot, uh, indicating that his intent to hide the death by decapitation. So um, Oliver North then was on yesterday with um, Maria Bartiroma. I can't say enough about Maria's programs. Maria has, uh, is really go-to if you want to understand what's going on. She's got some of the best guests, and uh, she doesn't mess around. She gets right to it, and I appreciate that so much. And she had, um, again, uh, Lieutenant Colonel North uh, on, and he actually showed video of uh, the Taliban, I believe it was Taliban, not Al-Qaeda, showing a room filled with weapons that had been left behind and huge pallet after pallet after pallet after pallet of cash. Yeah, so if you wonder why we probably didn't have a strike on 9-11, which I was anticipating we might. I thought they would be maybe beheading some of the people left behind and torturing them for all the world to see uh, as a sign of victory. But no, they're, they're not going to bite the hand that is feeding them. And so we have a hand that's feeding them, keeping the world safe. Oh, not quite. Michael Waltz goes on to talk about what exactly, in terms of the dangers, in terms of our intelligence, have been left behind. This is clip 12. It was the epicenter of our efforts there the last 20 years. Every soldier that came in or left flowed through Bagram Air Base. But we had important uh, intelligence capabilities and sensors I could see in the region. I wrote an op-ed and sent a letter to the Biden administration and asked uh, uh, Secretary of Defense Austin directly uh, during a hearing 
uh, months ago why we would give away uh, the only base in the world that we have that physically borders China in its back door, but also sandwiched between Russia and Iran. It's a 12,000 foot runway there, Maria. If you want to get Beijing's attention, if things start going south in, uh, in Taiwan or in, the, in South China Sea, put a stealth bomber at Bagram and their back door, which is just a few hundred miles away from their new ballistic missile fields. As you mentioned, uh, the Uyghurs, uh, which the only thing Beijing cares about the most is an uprising from its own people, uh, but also from things like its major semiconductor factories and other critical infrastructure that we could have held at risk and even had eyes and ears into from that base. But there's another critical piece too, and that's <clears throat> India, which is, I think, is one of our most critical strategic alliances in the 21st century, the world's largest democracy, and very, very concerned about the CCP. Well, guess what? China now has a new ally against India with this axis from China to Pakistan to the Taliban. So we've left, uh, wow. we've left our allies high and dry. We are blind in the region. Uh, there's not a single country in the region, as uh, Representative McCall mentioned, that have agreed to allow our counterterrorism forces to base around Afghanistan. So uh, <laughs> we are in a horrible position, wow. and it's all of our own making. This is a Biden's own making, and it's a strategic blunder of historic, historic proportions. Yeah, Michael Waltz, it is. It's a strategic blunder of historic proportions. It's, um, it's the kind of thing that makes you not sleep at night. I, I, uh, it's, it's very frightening and concerning. And uh, I, I've been really uh, spending a lot of time in prayer, especially during the night. And uh, God has been reminding me that Jesus said so clearly that we, I know in spite of what I'm saying to you, that for believers in Christ, we should not worry about tomorrow because today has enough trouble of its own. And if we worry about tomorrow, we don't know what's going to happen. We think we know, and, it doesn't, and I think we should be aware. But we don't know for a fact, and so to spend precious moments of your life right now uh, biting your nails, not sleeping like me, worrying uh, about something that might happen, it might be something quite different. You know how God is. He doesn't ever follow a pattern. Um, and we don't know what, what he might intervene, and he will intervene in ways that we can't even imagine. So why do we waste our time worrying? Today is what we have to worry about. Nevertheless, is it possible for you and for me to consider what may befall us pretty soon here and not worry? I, I actually do think so, because the peace of God passes all understanding. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm just uh, continuing to, to remind God as though he needed to be reminded as I rem that I do trust him. I've trusted him my entire life. I trust him now. And uh, as we walk into these very difficult days, um, he will never leave us or forsake us. He will give us the strength and courage. And honestly, I would say again, I've said it before. I guess I'm going to have to just keep saying it because it's true. I've seen it with my own eyes that the darker things become and the more distressing and troubling uh, and the more we trust him, the more of him we will see and experience. And once you have felt that lightning bolt of the filling of the Holy Spirit and the power that he gives that makes no sense at all, the same power that raised Christ Jesus dwells within you. You won't want to go back. You won't want to go back to ordinary life where you what went uh, got popcorn, went to the pizza hut, and I don't know, got Chinese food or went to a movie or a concert, and life was so great. You won't want that. You will want the deep 
deep, deep connection with God that brings uh, incredible things. So I'm just telling you, I know that that's true. It's hard as a human now to get to that point, but it really is true. We have to change the subject just a little bit because not only is President Biden uh, strengthening our enemies in frightening ways. Oh, by the way, I should just tell you, uh, the New York Times actually published a piece a couple of days ago explaining that, you know, how the Biden administration boasted about how they droned one of the persons responsible for that a bombing at the airbase that killed uh, 13 soldiers. Uh, you know, but the Biden, they we went out and they killed one person. They were just so brave and bold, and they took him out. Well, the New York Times reported it was a it was an aid worker and a bunch of children. They killed them. So that was a lie too. Just thought I'd tell you that was a lie too. So um, we're talking about our military, and we've talked a great deal, you and I, because so many of you are active duty or retired. Um, Oh, gosh, I remember so many of you at Fort Hood. Some of you won't remember this because you haven't been in the military this long, but we used to have so many listeners from Fort Hood, and when we'd talk about things military, I'd get so many calls, and then they stopped calling because the base made them, uh, they came after AFA, uh, and they were part of that training. That we, we were extremists. This is when this started. We were extremists, and the, that came, that board was born out of when Nadal Hassan killed all those soldiers at Fort Hood while yelling Allahu Akbar. He is a, was a doctor at Fort Hood. So people involved in that began to communicate with me, and we began to talk about it. We'd open the phone lines, and uh, then gradually soldiers were banned from talking. And now I don't hear from many people in Fort Hood anymore that I know of. Uh, but all that to say, uh, the military has been under assault internally for such a long time, and so Biden is uh, now bringing about this uh, mandatory vaccination for the military this is a young man. I don't know. I don't know any context except his name is Justin O'Donnell. But someone sent this to me. Uh, he was talking about people he knows in the military, reporting that many are walking off the job, and it is pretty frightening. Let's listen. Clip ten. So I'm wearing my upside down flag today, and I think that's appropriate because it signifies an America that's in distress. And maybe some people don't know this, but my dad just let me know this. Um, a text message went out last night from the Secretary of Defense to all the active military personnel saying, you know, by 10 a.m. you have to go get the magic potion or you're going to be court-martialed. And so as a result of that, 12 F-22 pilots, the highly, most highly trained pilots in the world, walked off the job. That's 12 multi-billion dollar, million dollar aircraft grounded now. A dozen of the best pilots in the world thousands of hours of training, millions of dollars of training off the job. 16 crew members for B-52 bombers walked off the job. That's just two air bases. My aunt, who is a KC-135 boom operator that refuels planes, isn't getting the magic potion. She's gonna walk off her job too, most likely. So now we're reached this point for all you who have not been speaking out about this and the mandates the people who are quiet about it, the people who are pro-mandate, you're to blame for the situation that we're in because we're going to a bad place. The military is being compromised at a rapid rate and with the F-22s being grounded, you, you could kiss Taiwan goodbye. I, I would hate to be a Taiwanese citizen right now. So this is probably not covered anywhere in the media. I'm sure it's blocked or censored by all the that goes on here, but it's time right. to wake up, people. Yeah, you better start preparing.
Because you're yep. a little cushy American That's, life isn't going to yep. be so He's good. just saying that things are not going to, you know, he's angry. You can hear he's angry and probably uh, we should all be angry. You know, the Bible again says to be angry but sin not. Is that possible? I think so. I think, uh, I think Jesus illustrated that quite uh, clearly when he went into the temple. We can be angry and we can actually fight and sin not um, in, in the cause of righteousness. Okay, so speaking of mandates, we have one now, don't we? Uh, there's a mandate. Uh, let's see. Joe Biden announced it on, I think it was Friday. Some people think, well, maybe this was kind of a way to get our mind off the disaster that is Afghanistan and uh, all that he's just done. I think they might be right. Let's listen to clip one. So tonight, I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week. Some of the biggest companies are already requiring this. United Airlines, Disney, Tyson's Food, and even Fox News. The bottom line, we're going to protect vaccinated workers from unvaccinated co-workers. Yeah, well, thank goodness. And then, and then he goes on to say something, you know, he's always encouraging us, isn't he? He really rallies the troops, doesn't he? Oh, I don't think so. Let's listen to clip two and maybe, well, he's rallying maybe some troops to hate the other troops. This is clip two. What more do you need to see? We've made vaccinations free, safe, and convenient. The vaccine is FDA approval. Over 200 million Americans have gotten at least one shot. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us. So please really? do okay, the right thing. Okay, hold that thing. break, Adam, if you would, till 50, please. You know, uh, so that sounds to me like, that sounds to me very much like a mobster. I'm sorry. I've seen a lot of movies where, uh, hey, hey, Jack, who runs the local, you know, uh, 7-Eleven, um, you know, we, uh, the, the, we need to, a certain percentage of your income, like 15% of your, a half of your income every month because our, you know, that's the, you're, that's being a good citizen. And we, we think that's what you should do as a business owner. But, um, and you know, uh, we've been asking you about this and you haven't done it yet. And so we're running out of patience. That's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like mob language. Uh, Joe Biden, though, is worried about you. He wants you to be safe. Don't forget, he's been telling us that he wants you to be safe. Not the Americans in Afghanistan, not the soldiers in the military, and maybe not so much people who work in the federal government because the, the, the onerous rules that he's putting in place are amazing. In fact, he's using OSHA uh, to perform a lot of these things. And um, that reminds, reminds me of Laura Logan. She did a very interesting interaction over what's happening with uh, OSHA. And, and you know what? She has such a great voice. I'd like to hear, have you hear her tell the story, not me. Clip 19. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, was established in the 1970s to inspect workplaces and establish standards to prevent industrial accidents. But starting this summer, the Biden administration gave OSHA a new role. Joe Biden told OSHA to start hiding information from the public to promote the COVID vaccine. Until this summer, OSHA required employers to retain records of any worker who suffered a serious side effect from the vaccine. Then in June, OSHA's guidance suddenly changed to this. Quote, 
OSHA will not enforce federal rec recording requirements that require any employers to record worker side effects from COVID-19 vaccination. That was a major change, especially since we're still learning so much about these vaccines and their possible side effects. Just hours ago, for example, The Telegraph in Britain reported that, quote, teenage boys are six times more likely to suffer from heart problems from the vaccine than be hospitalized from COVID-19. And in Israel, where more than 80% of adults are vaccinated, COVID cases are spiking. Israel now has one of the world's highest daily infection rates. So what explains that? In his remarks to the nation, Joe Biden didn't answer that. Instead, he put OSHA, the same agency that's been hiding evidence of vaccine side effects, in charge of forcing millions of Americans to take the COVID vaccine. Joe Biden didn't even bother to ask Congress. He said the new mandate is justified because COVID is a, quote, emergency. Then he walked away without taking questions once again. All right, I'm going to interrupt there because, uh, because we have so many other things I want to get in here. Uh, then, of course, we have uh, the, uh, <laughs> the infamous encouragement to governors that the federal government wants to work with them. Oh, no, I guess that wasn't the right. Uh, we had Cedric Richmond instead, who was an advisor to the president. Uh, and this is what he had to say about how the Biden administration is going to handle these governors who don't want mandatory vaccines. This is clip five. The one thing I admire about this president is the fact that we're always going to put people above politics. And we're going to fight for those who really need our help. And so it's unfortunate that we have so many governors that are using vaccinations and mask requirements as a political uh, game. But our purpose is to save lives. And we will do anything and everything under our control to make sure that we protect uh, our citizens, especially those children who cannot get a vaccination yet. And so we have to do everything we can to make sure adults do it. And those governors that stand in the way, I think it was very clear from the president's tone today that uh, he will run over them. And it is important. And it's not for political purposes. It's to save the lives of American people. And so we won't let one or two individuals stand in the way. We will always err on the side of protecting the American people. They're only thinking of you. Don't forget, they're only thinking of you. They care about you. I guess they have not read what I've been reading. In fact, I want to, us to put on our, I don't know if we put this article on our Facebook page. It's from The Last Refuge. And it talks about, um, it just talks about uh, why the, the vaccine is dangerous. It's actually got some pretty frightening things in it. Uh, it it uh, quotes a doctor, uh, a German doctor, extensively. He he's, does an interview, and then there's a synopsis, a 17-minute synopsis of what he says uh, will be the end result of the vaccine. He ta they talk about how it uh, replaces our natural immunity uh, with, um, with uh, it will give you immunity to the original COVID virus, uh, but it replaces your natural immunity so that infections from other sources get by, uh, whatever the blockers are called, I'm not a medical person, but the infections get by and around uh, if they are not that original COVID strand. And that's why uh, it goes on to say that's why there is uh, all these outbreaks, because we are actually allowing the virus to get more and more virulent. Uh, the, the, this doctor says it is because of the vaccinated that the, the virus has not 
lost its strength because that's the way it happens naturally. It continues, then it loses its strength, loses its strength, and then peters out. But uh, it, it's so it's it's a very interesting article, and it um, for those of you that are concerned about getting vaccinated, it'll it, it will uh, for those of you who've been vaccinated. I don't even know if I recommend it because it's pretty frightening. It kept me up probably three nights ago. Really, really kept me up. I it's upsetting uh, because uh, something's not right here. And uh, some of the highest, mo- highest uh, credentialed experts in the world are coming out to say that. Um, I, I'd like to give more time to that right now, but I would say, like Technofog this morning has this interesting um, headline. It says, actually this was from a couple of days ago, the unvaccinated will be punished. The unvaccinated will be punished. And um, so uh, we know that that's true, and we know that they're going to do everything they can. Remember, he's running out of patience, Mr. Mobster, known as the President of the United States, running out of patience. Uh, so you better get that vaccine or else, and they're going to, you know, what, come after those governors that are resisting? By the way, there are 19 governors uh, and two attorneys general that are resisting Biden's vaccine mandates. And so there's a lot of fight going on. I think this is interesting. Peter Ducey uh, was talking to Jen Psaki. This is a very short clip. This is clip nine. And he was asking her about this mandate on Americans. Uh, good question and interesting answer. Let's listen to clip nine. Requirement for people at a business with more than 100 people. It is not a requirement for migrants at the southern border. Why? That's correct. Go ahead. Yes, um, we know that with enforcement employers who refuse to implement the vaccine rule. Okay, so that's correct. Yeah, so people coming over the border, uh, they don't have to be vaccinated. And I don't think those Afghans who are being flown into the country are having to be vaccinated either. But Americans, yeah, now you, you have to be vaccinated. Gert Vandenbosch, who is a human vaccinologist, uh, has some interesting things to say. He's one of the experts I was talking about. This is clip eight. Dear colleagues at the WHO, my name is Gert Vandenbosch. My background is veterinary medicine. I'm a certified expert in microbiology and infectious diseases. I have a PhD in virology and I have a long-standing career in human vaccinology. I'm urging you to immediately open the scientific debate on how human interventions in the COVID-19 pandemic are currently driving viral immune escape. I'm urging you to invite me for a scientific hearing open to the public and to scientists all over the world on this very topic, ignoring or denying the impact of stringent infection prevention measures combined with mass vaccination using prophylactic vaccines is a colossal blunder. Please do listen to my cry of distress and let's first and foremost deliberate on a scientifically justified strategy to mitigate the tsunami of morbidity and lethality that is now threatening us. And let's meanwhile devise a strategy to eradicate the steadily emerging highly infectious variants. On behalf of humanity, I sincerely thank you 
for considering my call. All right, that was a Gert Vandenbosch, a human vaccinologist. And that, then the other person I'll mention is Dr. Human Norshazm, who uh, voted for President Biden. That's just part of the story here. Uh, but he says uh, to mandate a vaccination of any co- of, of uh, any COVID recovered American against his or her will is unscientific, unethical, and illegal. Um, and we are the White House has overstepped, and we are operating in dangerous territory when it comes to already immune Americans. Cease and desist. And he talks about how last night's chest-beating press conference, the one where he declares this mandate, was one of the most destructive and divisive speeches ever given by the U.S. president, who claims to be a well-reasoned uniner acting on science. And then he goes on to say that he regretted that he voted for President Biden. And that's a prominent um, immunologist, Dr. Human Norshazm. And that's just, listen, there are lots of them. There are lots of them. We'll put that article on our Facebook page, and you can read it, and then you have to decide for yourself. Uh, because no one can tell you. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm hoping these scientists are wrong and that uh, Dr. Fauci is right. Uh, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. This is a unique moment in the history of our country where we have an opportunity to restore the foundations of this nation. Tony Perkins of Washington Watch. To a nation that once again honors God. It will not happen unless God's people are informed and engaged. Join Tony Perkins for Washington Watch, weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evening at 6 Central on American Family Radio. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. The borrower is the slave of the lender. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. Newly published information from LifeWay Research shows 77% of self-identified Christians in dozens of states think it's a sin to lend money to someone who can't afford to pay it back. Still, few say payday loans are immoral, and one in six Christians has admitted to taking out a high-interest payday loan. The federal government's Consumer Financial Protection Bureau says the typical two-week payday loan charges the equivalent of a 400% interest rate. These sharks prey on the poor, elderly, and most vulnerable in society. Sound the alarm and make sure your family, church, and neighborhood steer clear of this vermin. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy where a man has many wives and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel 
gospel, and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus, and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles, and Friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or click sendbiblesnow.org, sendbiblesnow.org. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. On the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, the FBI released some information long sought by survivors concerning Saudi Arabia's involvement in those murderous jihadist acts. Unredacted revelations suggest a Saudi consular official and a suspected spy helped two of the hijackers. At a moment when we both honor those killed two decades ago and have cause to worry increasingly about terrorist attacks in the offing elsewhere and here, insights into their Sharia supremacist wellspring and enablers are vitally needed. That includes U.S. government data about the help the Iranian government gave to 9-11 plotters. Five years ago, a federal judge issued an $11 billion judgment against the regime in Tehran for its role. Before the Biden administration does any further deals with Iran, we need a full accounting of the mullah's complicity and the payments to which still grieving survivors are entitled. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Sandy Rios back with you. Well, you know, uh, abortion certainly has been in the news. Uh, in fact, I had a story this morning how the Justice Department is suing Texas over their recent law. And so the whole issue, there's all this speculation that Roe versus Wade will be turned uh, back by either that law or the one coming out of Mississippi. So I don't need to tell you that that's probably the issue that the left will use to try to defeat uh, the right, I guess. I'll just put it that way, in the coming election. And, and yet, those of us who are on the right, that means we actually want to save babies' lives, how, how quaint and how narrow-minded of us, um, are fighting back in positive ways. And one of the ways we can fight back is to help, continue to help women who are in crisis with their pregnancy. We have a new kind of ministry to introduce you to today. It's called uh, ICU Mobile. Uh, ICU Mobile is an organization that promo- provo- promotes uh, like these mobile units that go around and let women be tested for pregnancy. And rather than me explaining it, let me introduce to you the executive director. It's Greg, uh, Greg Van Buskirk. Van Buskirk. Is that right, Greg? Sandy, it's Van Buskirk, but that's fine. Okay. You see, I thought I was going to say Van Buskirk because of my <laughs> German. So you've it's an Americanized. A Dutch. <laughs> It's great. No, it's Dutch. <laughs> okay. I know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, so you're the executive director. So tell us about what it is that you guys actually do. Uh, thanks, Sandy. I'd be happy to. No, we're a national pro-life ministry that has a, a fleet of about 44 mobiles across about 22 states that goes out into into neighborhoods to uh, do three things. We serve women who's facing a crisis pregnancy. We uh, save lives by using the incredible uh, technology of ultrasound by showing them the babies, their baby that they're carrying. And lastly, and most important, is we share the gospel of Jesus Christ to see life transformation take place. Wow. How do you label your trucks when you send them out in neighborhoods? Well, we, we have a neutral brand that we use that's not connected to uh, any uh, um, um, 
pro-life organization, so we keep it neutral. So ICU Mobile is a, a pro-life organization. We're extremely pro-life, but we don't want to. We use a neutral brand on those units because we don't want women that are experiencing those crisis pregnancies think that that they don't want to go to a pro pro-life organization. So it's a it's, like I say, it's a neutral brand that we use. Okay, uh, let me just say that they, as a, as you heard, they're in lots of different states, and they're trying to get this going in Mississippi. Lots of you listening are in Mississippi because they don't have an ICU mobile uh, based in their state. So uh, if you would like to help... It'll be the first one in uh, in Mississippi, uh, and we're excited. We'll be working with the folks down there at Greenville, Greenwood, I'm sorry. And, uh, the, I mean, Pastor Parker is just a phenomenal gentleman. His, his heart for the unborn and heart for the, the loss is just incredible. So are, are, what are you saying? Is it affiliated with the church then? It's affiliated with the Greenwood... Hope and Pregnancy Center down in oh, Greenwood, uh, Mississippi. I see. All right. So just so people understand, uh, they are donating to provide one of these mobile units. And then specifically for this ask, I, it's for this uh, this uh, outreach in Mississippi, in Greenwood, Mississippi. If you would like to help, you can go to AFR.net forward slash to ICU Mobile. ICU Mobile. So how in the world, how uh, quickly, if you can... Uh, Greg, you share the gospel with them right there when they come in on the first time. Right. So what we what we do, uh, and just to let you know, Sandy, how effective this is, because um, going out to where the women are is the most effective w- means of uh, reaching them. And, and four out of five women that come on the mobile unit that see their baby choose life. And so since 2016, we've seen over 12,000 women choose life, and more importantly, over 800 women choose Christ on the mobiles. And so what we wow. do is we, we reach out to them when they come on board. We bring them, bring them on board. We, we under, try to understand where, where they're struggling, why they're looking at abortion. And through the process where the Holy Spirit intervenes, that's when we share the gospel. It's not the first thing out of the, out of the box. It's, it's when yeah. God opens that door, we walk through it. Well, I love it, and uh, I can hear in your voice, Greg, that you have uh, the right approach. And just by that, that sounds trite. I just hear the Holy Spirit through you. That's what I'm trying to say, and that would be the right approach. <laughs> so if That's you right. would like to help them, ICU Mobile, uh, you can go to afr.net forward slash ICU Mobile. AFR.net great net forward slash. Yes. Great opportunity and, for them to get, get involved. All right. Yes. And, and you can do, you know, when you hear these news headlines about these abortion debates, pick up the phone or, or go to AFR. This is, you can do something in response to that. Actually do something positive. And that would be my, my uh, suggestion to you today. Greg, thank you so much for your time and your ministry. Sandy Rios in the morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.